to another episode of the Modern Manifestation Podcast. I'm your host, Bree Brown, a lettuce-hating, wine-loving, curses-like-a-sailor, recovering perfectionist. Having thrived in a male-dominated, commission-based industry, I'm passionate about helping women boldly pursue their life goals. In this space, we build confidence with our mindset, manifestation, and spirituality. I believe that your life manifests as a result of who you are, not what you do, and that your personality creates your personal reality. Join this growing community to increase your net worth by increasing your self-worth. Now let's jump into today's topic. Hello, hello, my beautiful souls, and welcome back to the Modern Manifestation Podcast. Well, y'all, it happened. (laughs) Within 20 minutes of posting my last episode regarding the overall experience I had with ayahuasca, I received my very first one-star review. (laughs) I knew it would probably be coming. I expected as much. So if you are tuning into this episode, I assume that means you have already read the title. Maybe you even listened to the last episode and you are still here with me. So thank you so much for continuing to be a listener and supporting me and also understanding my perspective on these things. So thank you. Thank you. And I knew this topic wouldn't be for everyone, (laughs) so I'm choosing to view this one-star review as a sign of growth because I don't feel like you've made it until you've had at least one critic in your life. (laughs) In today's episode, we are continuing the discussion on my ayahuasca ceremony journey. Ceremony journey. Journey? Ceremony? You get the point. (laughs) So in today's episode, as you've probably already assumed having read the title and listened to my previous episode, if you had... We are going to talk about my first night with ayahuasca. And I also gave a lot of information about ayahuasca in the previous episode. So if this is the first episode that you're tuning into, go ahead and go back and listen to the previous episode, number 82, for more context. I think that'll really help set the foundation for what we're going to talk about in this episode. So in today's topic, as well as the two following, my goal is to recap each night individually, giving some details because I don't think you need all the details. I don't think you need to really dive into my own personal issues, really. (laughs) But I think it could be helpful because whenever I was preparing for my own ceremony, I could not get enough of other people's experiences, other people's encounters with the medicine. And one thing I would caution is be careful how much emphasis you put on other people's experiences because it will not be your experience. And I cannot reiterate that enough. Your experience will be entirely unique and custom to you. And what we don't want to do is have expectations for how the ceremony is going to happen for you. Because it won't meet those expectations because it will be radically different. And I think that's one thing I wish I had heard going into my ceremony was that mine won't be like anyone else's. Because I was, I think a part of me just jumping into the unknown wanted a sense of clarity, wanted a sense of an idea of what I was walking into. So I read all these other people's experiences. I listened to their experiences. And because of that, I had a very specific idea of how mine would look. And night one was disappointing as a result because of what I thought I was going to experience and then what I actually experienced. 
Because I think we have a habit in our society of glorifying our experiences a lot of the times and or making it more glamorous than maybe it actually was. At the same time, I think that your expectation going into a journey like this will have an effect on what your actual experience is. And it can be for it can be a negative effect. And for me, that's really what happened. At the same time, that is exactly what I needed to have happened. So I don't regret it, but I do think that would give me a different perspective moving forward if I were to say yes to another experience, another ceremony. I would go into it with a much more open mind, knowing that it would be radically different than all the ceremonies I'd experienced previously. And it will still be unlike anything that anyone else has ever talked about because each person is so, so different. And the experience, the journey is custom tailored to you every time, absolutely every time, to your past traumas, to your experiences, to your relationships, to your inner thoughts and your monologues and in the things that are most important to you. All of that is weighing in on the experience that you have. So my first night, I was expecting, I think I was expecting my mind to just be blown by the experience. And instead, I had a much more physical experience, and it was uncomfortable. A lot of purging happened. And that was important for me to experience because, as I've mentioned in past episodes, I've always struggled to connect with my body. And it's something I've been working on. It's something I've healed quite a bit. And even though I have healed that side of me quite a bit, I still experience some discomfort with the mind-body connection. And so that first night, she made me sit in that discomfort. And so at first, I was resisting all of the physical sensations I was experiencing because I live in my mind and focusing on my body can be really uncomfortable for me sometimes. Not only focusing on my body, but focusing on my body when it doesn't feel good is like an offense to my mind. <laughs> it feels like an assault. So I'm very moody, very grouchy when I don't feel good because of this, this mind-body connection and something that I'm trying to work on. So that first night, it's almost like she had a sense of humor. She was like, I know this is what you've been working on and you're not moving fast enough. So here you go. <laughs> and I just remember feeling so uncomfortable that first night and so resistant to it. And here's the thing. Once you've consumed this plant medicine, and it's a step process. It's not just one cup and you're done throughout a ceremony. It's, it's ongoing. And it takes commitment to continue to say yes to this experience when it gets really physically uncomfortable. So I was resisting it. It's funny because I just did the podcast episode about resistance too. And yet here I was relearning the same lesson, right? Because you just continue to cycle through the same lessons in life. And this was honestly a funny moment of I actually thought about that podcast episode while I'm sitting there resisting and was like, oh my God, this is what's happening right now. This is exhibit A of this lesson coming back all over again to me in a different way because you learn from that lesson and then it comes back again in a new package. And then you learn from that lesson and it comes back again in a new package. And that keeps happening until it's more or less worked through. And that's really what our life is about is working through these individual lessons and all the different shapes that they take. 
And so I'm trying to talk to you guys about things that I'm constantly working on, knowing that none of these things are closed off with a bow for myself. They continue to be lessons for me. And so that's what I was sitting with in that first night was physical discomfort, how it felt to connect to my body. And I sat there feeling uncomfortable and resistant until, and it was just like bubbling up, getting more and more uncomfortable, more and more difficult to push back on until finally, and this is probably too much information, but fuck it. I hate throwing up. It's one of those things I can't stand it. I mean, I don't think anyone likes it, right? But as an example, Evan, my partner, when he doesn't feel good and he needs to throw up, he just immediately goes to the bathroom and does it. No questions asked. I mean, I would, I can't even tell you how many times I, in our relationship, I've seen him throw up. Like, it honestly just fascinates me how often he's done it. <laughs> Not in, like, an unhealthy way, but, like, the second he just feels slightly nauseous, he's like, oh, I'm just going to go handle this. It's like he gives himself permission to do that. And, of course, what I've always admired and appreciated about him is he's always been very connected to his emotions and to his body. So I have a lot to learn from him. Then insert me, his opposite. I, on the other hand, misses I have suppressed and repressed a lot of things in my life, emotions, physical sensations, etc. It would probably not surprise you to tell you this, that I also suppressed the need to throw up most times throughout my life. I think I could count on two hands how many times that's happened in my life because I, I don't like it that much. It's so uncomfortable for me. It's something I just, I despise that feeling. And that first night, it was really, really uncomfortable. It was almost, I would say, excruciating <laughs> until I gave myself permission to purge. And the second I thought, I give my body permission to take care of itself, boom, it happened instantaneously. And that's that taught me that first night that, wow, there is such a connection between your thoughts and your mind and your body. And I knew that consciously. I knew that mentally. But I didn't know that from an integrative perspective. I didn't know that in terms of it hadn't dawned on me how meaningful and how significant that connection was. Until I'm sitting there resisting, 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 feeling bad, feeling bad, feeling bad. And then the literally the second I give my body permission, it does what it needs to do. And it was like I'd released the floodgate or the dam and it just all came rushing out. But it didn't do this until I consciously gave myself permission. Permission to take care of myself. Permission to voice my concerns and listen to my own needs. And I'd resisted that in my head the whole evening until that point, until I gave permission. And then I had to sit there and think, how many times have I held my own bodily needs back because of what I think I should be doing or how I should be showing up? And so I had to sit with that that first night. How have I not taken care of my body? How have I not shown up for my body in the way that I would like to? And so that was a really valuable connection for me was I've worked on this and I have more work to do because here's how I didn't honor the needs of my body just now. And that was a really beautiful message for me to learn that first night. Not at all the message I wanted to learn. Not at all the experience I was hoping for. <laughs> but it was the one I needed. And at that time, it felt disappointing because I thought the message was going to be so much more. But looking back on it, I'm thinking 
what more could I have wanted? This had just tied in so many of the things that I've been working on in terms of healing my mind-body connection. And more than that, it was giving myself permission to move through discomfort instead of resisting it or avoiding it or escaping it. And that also ties in so closely with resilience and willingness to fail, to sitting in the discomfort or the fear of failure. And instead of avoiding the things I fear that are uncomfortable or that I don't want to do, to give myself permission to do them anyway, to step toward the fear, to step toward the things that I'm afraid to do. And you know what? I immediately felt better. And if I hadn't given myself this permission, I'd have sat through that entire six-hour ceremony in fetal position, because that's how I started. (laughs) Resisting, not feeling good, not giving myself permission to do what I needed to do, and also being afraid to sit in the discomfort. Even if it was short-lived discomfort, wanting to avoid it, and instead, ironically, prolonging that discomfort. Instead, I got to move on, or move through it, rather. And did I see the light of God in that moment? No, absolutely not. (laughs) But I saw my old pattern in a new way, and that was super helpful. And it was a really beautiful way to show me to cut through the bullshit and say, hey, here's what you're doing. Here's how powerful your own mental blocks are. Here's how it shows up physically for you. And then here's what it feels like to give yourself permission to take care of yourself. And it was instant relief. And then that thought of, well, how does this translate to other things in my life? How have I held myself back in some ways and resisted something and instead, in doing so, prolonged the discomfort instead of allowing myself to just do what I needed to do, like ripping off a Band-Aid and then minimizing that window of discomfort and then instead getting to relief faster. So it was very much a metaphor for Not just my physical sensations, but how does this show up in other areas of my life when I make decisions, when I choose to take care of things I need to or not? So that was a really profound message for me that first night. In addition to that, as I'm sitting there resisting, it wasn't just the resistance physically of like, I don't want to feel this way. It was also the resistance of why is everyone else around me having a a beautiful experience with her and I'm not. So there was this maybe the thoughts of along the lines of maybe I don't deserve to have an experience with her. Maybe I'm not ready for this. Maybe she wasn't calling to me and here I am wasting everyone's time. Maybe I just don't who or who am I to have thought that I deserved this kind of experience. And then as I'm sitting there the thoughts just start transforming into really feelings of And this is what I think made the physical discomfort worse. There's a direct correlation to my thoughts and how my body was feeling. So it started off with all of those thoughts because it just wasn't sinking in for me. And then it started getting into thoughts of like worthlessness and self-hate and despair and wanting to prove myself and needing validation and all these really ugly things that we don't like to admit exist within ourselves. And all of these things that I have worked on, but it was such a powerful experience to experience these thoughts again, or to have these thoughts again, but to view them from an entirely different perspective. So while I have done a lot, a lot of work 
on my self-talk, on my self-worth, and these are things that I even talk about and coach with other people, it showed up for me in a new way, but in a way that allowed me to view it from an entirely different vantage point. I had never been able to view this from a place of disassociation like I did that night. And what I mean by that is that it allowed me to view the work that needs to be done without the emotional context or the emotional baggage behind it. Or maybe not the emotional context, but because there were emotions, but in a way where I sort of felt separate from those emotions and was able to view what was happening from an unbiased perspective, almost as if I was the observer. So on one hand, I was deeply feeling all of these really crappy emotions. But on the other hand, I was also, I had this duality. I was also an observer of them. So I was experiencing them and I was also observing them. It was a really strange concept. It's sort of hard to describe how you can be in two sort of states at once, but that's how it felt. And because there was a side of me that was able to be the observer of what was going on, it allowed me to separate myself from the situation so that I could clearly see and identify why some of these issues had not been fully resolved for myself yet and why this was the first lesson I needed to sit with with Mother Ayahuasca. And it was really uncomfortable to sit in this space when I would normally want to avoid these feelings and avoid these emotions. So I'm having these really negative, these really just mean things that I'm saying to myself in my head. And as I'm saying these mean things, as I'm like getting more and more frustrated with my experience and more and more disappointed with how I think it's going and how I think it should have been going, my physical discomfort is going up at the same rate. So my negative thoughts and my bodily discomfort were the same. And while I felt like the first night was extremely physical, I think it's directly correlated to the mental assaulting I was doing to myself. And that was really important for me to see because it allowed me to step back almost from like a third person perspective and say, wow, she is so mean to herself. She does not deserve that. She's such a worthy, loved, supported being, and she's being so mean to herself. Why? And I know that this was me talking about myself, but in the moment, while you are with Mother Ayahuasca, you are able to view it from an entirely different perspective, where all of a sudden you see the beautiful, innocent being that you are. You see all the beautiful things about your soul. And then you see your ego and how it's been treating this innocent piece of beautiful light. <laughs> and you're able to step back and be like, that's not fair. Wait a minute. Why is this happening? No, no, no. Let's take care of this little being of light. Let's not, let's not bring these negative, this negative feedback into play. But it allowed me to see it all in a way that came from a place of empathy and love and in a way that felt really sorry for myself, but in a good way, right? Like, I felt so bad that I felt the need to have those thoughts in the past and that I felt the need to continue that negative sh streamline of, of thoughts or negative thoughts toward myself and that I was ever either conditioned or brought up or led to believe that that sort of self-shaming, that sort of mean comments to myself was warranted. So it's like a part that was coming from that source energy, that place of love being like, wow, 
I have so much love and empathy for this person. And I also know that this person is me. And so it was like this weird out-of-body moment of clarity on how I was treating myself and how I'd like to show up for myself instead. And that first night, ayahuasca was not extremely present. The second and third night, which I'll get into in my other episodes, it was like we had a dialogue back and forth. The first night, she kind of stayed in the perimeter. Like I felt her observing me from the outside. And I don't really know how to describe it, but let's say that like you're in a snow globe and like you're the you're the main character in the snow globe, if you will. <laughs> and as the main center of the snow globe, out of the peripheral, you can like see the observer on the outside looking into the snow globe and like kind of shaking it up a little bit. That's how I felt the first night. Like I felt like she was the observer on the outside. I was the little being on the inside in the snow globe getting shaken up. And so a part of me was also frustrated because I was like, this is her telling me that I'm I'm not worthy of her experience. Like she's not even willing to come in because you could feel her there. But there wasn't that direct connection that I was expecting or anticipating. And that also kind of led to a lot this this really streamlined process of <laughs> being disappointed and frustrated and then how that led to this negative self-talk and then how that eventually led toward the end to this self-realization. And I'm so thankful for that first night because it pointed out to me the areas that I still needed to work on. And in my integration since then, I have treated myself radically different, radically different But not just coming from the place of like, oh, I need to not talk to myself this way. I shouldn't talk to myself this way. Let me change that narrative. It's almost like the tendency to even talk to myself that way is just gone. And I know it could still be there. I know that I could go back to that old lifestyle, that old way of thinking. But I'm choosing not to. And that's a gift that she's given me is that she showed me that that doesn't have to be the default setting. So it's almost like I felt like that first night she kind of like wiped away my default programming and was like, let's start over. And granted, I'm only, you know, I'm fairly recent out of my ceremony. And yet I've been able to continue this and move it forward. And again, that's why integration and offering yourself that period of rest afterward is so important. Because I think that you really are like a newborn baby or fresh slate after having this ceremony. And the last thing you want to do is put yourself back into an environment that caused you to experience a lot of your default negative behaviors. And if I don't make time to integrate, this self-deprecating habit will return. Because like I said, I'm going to say this a million times, she doesn't do the work for you. She shows you how you could be. And so I'm really glad that this, I've been able to give myself the time before throwing myself back into work or into, you know, relationships with family members that are challenging. I've given myself the time to integrate a lot of this because what I don't want to do is I don't want to go back to work and beat myself up again. I don't want to go back to a family setting with a toxic family member and go back to my negative patterns and behaviors because that's what your coworkers, that's what your friends, that's what your family members, your loved ones, whoever, 
they will still view you as the version you were before your ceremony. They will still view you as that person that has those aspects of themselves that are unhealed. And they will treat you as such. They'll treat you as the old version of you. The hard part is that you no longer feel like that person. You feel like you're showing up as someone entirely new. And so that's why it's really important to make sure that you know how you want to show up for yourself first. And you got that down before you start to show up with other people who are going to challenge you and going to make you decide whether or not you're going to go back into the old mold of yourself or the old version of yourself. And it's going to be hard to show up differently to some of these people because they might question why you're acting different. And you have to have the conviction in yourself to know how you want to show up and giving yourself that space to figure that out, who that person is and how that person shows up. So can't stress enough, give yourself that integration period following any sort of ceremony or really any major healing session. Anytime you have profound healing or lessons that have been discovered, take time to integrate. Let that be a lesson from today's episode. And I'm really grateful that since my ceremony, my negative thoughts have been less intrusive. Still there, but significantly less intrusive. So this message goes beyond a plant medicine experience, which is why I bring this up. Yes, it applies to those kinds of experiences as well. But for you, or for us, this really applies to any healing we do for ourselves and allowing ourselves to integrate, regardless of the tool we use to get there. And a big part of that integration period after any sort of big healing is identifying who you are moving forward, knowing that the people in our lives have already labeled us with a certain identity. Not good or bad, just your best friend has an identity for you. Your partner has an identity for you. Your parents have given you an identity. Whatever those labels are. Examples of that could be someone that's always late or someone that is always negative or someone that is too sensitive or not sensitive enough. You know, whatever the label is, that's not really important. What's important to know is that as humans, we give people labels. And a lot of times it's really difficult for us to review those labels and to determine whether or not those are still appropriate for someone. So if your best friend all of a sudden becomes unrecognizable to you because they've done so much changing, either through healing or maybe for some other reason, all of a sudden their new narrative doesn't fit your identity. And so all of a sudden, your brain is having conflicting thoughts. Wait, this is what I'm seeing, but this is how I've always labeled them. I'm confused. And so that's what's going to happen with the people in your life is when you're working to heal aspects of yourself, the identities that people have about us may no longer be true. And unless they're willing to evaluate those identities and change them or transform them in order to align with the new version of you, you're going to make them really uncomfortable. They're going to experience cognitive dissonance and that's going to be hard for them to reconcile. So this is another reason why integration is so important is because you get to identify who that version of you is and how you're going to show up when you're put in situations where someone is uncomfortable that you no longer fit in the mold that they created for you in their minds. And how are you going to deal with that when that comes up or when that rears its head? Because to them, as you heal, you will reflect back to the other people or to that person what they may not want to look at within themselves. If they're not on the same path as you or if they're not interested in healing like you are, it's there's going to be friction there. And instead of facing what they don't want to see, usually what ends up happening is they choose to believe that you're more confrontational now. You might be rude all of a sudden. You're doing all the self-healing work and now you're really selfish. <laughs> I hear that a lot when people set boundaries. Now my family thinks I'm selfish. 
These are all good signs, but they're also really hard to reconcile. And so integration will allow you to figure out how you're going to show up in these situations. And whatever the label is that someone's given you, good or bad, it's a way for them to establish their various relationships. And with your new healed version of yourself, they just might not know where to put you now. And you might have to meet them halfway and explain to them how you're showing up differently or why you're showing up differently. So depending on the relationship, you might actually help them reform that identity for yourself in their mind. Or you might decide this is someone you don't want a relationship moving forward with anyway, in which case you just let them go. So regardless of whether or not you do plant medicine to heal or you're using some other modality, this is one of the beautiful and also the really hard parts about healing. So that's why I wanted to talk about this in today's episode. And this work really allowed me to experience that better version of myself without the default relationships interfering, without the identities that other people have placed on me. So that way, I could see these negative habits that I had more clearly. Because I hadn't realized that even though I've done so much work on this, they were still permeating in a lot of different ways. And now it just feels like that neural programming has been altered, at least temporarily, so I can experience life without those thoughts even if it's for a few weeks, even if it's for a few days. And I'm not going to say it's perfect. I have had some thoughts that are not self-shaming by any means, but I have had some thoughts like, oh, you know, I I should probably do this today. Not in a negative self-image kind of way, but like a, I should probably be productive today. I should probably do this today. And all of that can easily be the gateway to negative self-talk. And so I could see how she lays the groundwork for you. She kind of clears the slate. But it's up to you to continue the work. It's up for you to make sure that it remains cleared and that you're building upon it a healthy foundation. So that's how night one felt for me. It was a lot of just sitting with the discomfort, sitting with the things that I didn't love about myself and that I was also ashamed of because, you know, I have my own podcast. I talk about this kind of work all the time. And here I was having this experience and these these thoughts that I felt like I should have been beyond. I should not have these anymore. I have done so much work on this. Why are they still showing up? And I think it's important to mention that because, again, this work is cyclical. And it's continuous, and it takes a conscious, aware person to make a decision on how we're going to show up and how we're going to work on our healing. And it's okay that it's cyclical. It's never something you check the box and you're done with that thing forever. And even though I've had this beautiful experience where I feel like the slate has been, it almost feels like the weight of a lot of those things have been lifted, it's still up to me to continue it. And it's still my responsibility to make sure that I'm headed in the positive direction. And it will, my old negative thoughts will still come up at some point. And they've already shown me how they could. And it's my job to make sure that I appropriately respond to those and I appropriately reshift my mindset. And I remember the lessons that ayahuasca taught me that first night. And I know that I, I never want to beat myself up like that again. Never. And I'm so grateful for that experience because she opened my eyes to that. And she opened my eyes to how much nicer and more loving I can be to myself. But she also doesn't do the work for you. And I'm going to keep repeating this because this is the biggest misconception about her. You have a ceremony and you're healed. No, that's not how it works, though I wish it was. She shows you the way. She lets you experience it. And then she's like, okay. You've had the floaties. 
you have had the support. Now you need to go swim on your own. Now you need to figure it out from here. You have the tools. You know what to do. But it's up to you to make the conscious change moving forward. And that's really how I would describe it is you're given the map, but you're not just transported to the new place. <laughs> it's kind of like you get a taste of it, like you, you've seen it. Like maybe you saw a commercial for the, for the place you want to go. But it's up to you to get yourself there permanently. So that was my first night. It was a lesson on physical discomfort. It was a lesson on how I talked to myself or how I braided myself mentally. It was also a lesson on letting go and not always being in control. I think that the physical part also made that hit home because there was that resistance that, no, I'm not going to let my body do what it needs to do. I need to be in control of the situation. And then I also think there was a portion of giving myself permission to, to take up space. And I think holding in the, especially the the throwing up part, it was almost like by my doing that, I felt like I would be being dramatic or I would be taking up too much space and throwing myself into being the center of attention. And there was a big part of me that resisted taking up that space. And again, that ties in really well with all this negative self-talk because when my body told me what it needed, my old habits would step in and be like, what a baby, what a drama queen. This girl must be the center of attention all the time over here. Instead of responding with love and understanding for what my needs were and meeting them. And I don't even know where all of this negative self-talk came from. I still have no idea. But how many times have I squashed my own needs or made myself smaller so that I appeased my inner critic, the judge that is inside of me? And for most of my life, this judgmental voice has shamed me for speaking up or seeking help. So of course I struggled with that. And man, that ties into so many other things I've talked about on this podcast lately. Again, why I wanted to bring this up in today's episode. Things like asking for help and hyper-independence and being open to receiving and shadow work. All of this was tied into these messages. And what's funny is I recorded a lot of those episodes before this journey, and I felt Mother Ayahuasca there like, let's sit in this again because you haven't quite learned this lesson yet for yourself. You have to ask yourself for help too, not just for other people. How do we ask our own selves for help? So there were a lot of messages in that first night. Not at all what I expected. I was a little disappointed that I sat in discomfort and shame for about six hours. No one wants to experience that. <laughs> but that was probably making up for a fraction of all the times in my life that I've avoided those feelings. I guarantee that there were many moments when I avoided discomfort or shame or any of those negative feelings for more than six hours. So that sort of felt like the least I could do, right? Sitting through that discomfort, sitting through those shitty feelings for six hours, even though it sucked at the time and even though it was really disappointing to have to do that. There were also some other really deep and beautiful healing messages and visions that I'd received, but I'm going to file those details into my do not disclose category. So overall, the night was filled with messages, filled with lessons for me to learn about myself. So I hope this gives you some great things to think about. And if it does, I would love to hear your feedback. Let me know if any of this sparked any clarity for you or if there's any lessons or takeaways that you have. Especially if you're not interested in a journey of your own, please use my story, my shitty story, <laughs> to help you along your own path toward healing. 
If you're not interested in this kind of work, awesome. Hearing other people's stories will still give you some insights into things you might want to think about or things you might want to look at within yourself. And that's a really healthy way to utilize this episode if plant medicine doesn't call to you. And that's why I wanted to bring this for you all because I think and I hope that the experiences that I had, the really tough experiences that I had, can teach you something meaningful. Otherwise, I don't know that it was worth it. (laughs) I'm kidding. It was, but I'm going to keep saying that. Stay tuned for nights two and three if you're still interested in learning more about this journey. And again, if you have any questions, feel free to direct message me on Instagram. I'm happy to answer what I can. A lot of these things, the details I do want to keep private, but happy to answer any questions that you might have. Or if you had an experience of your own, would love to be that backboard if you're just wanting someone to to talk openly with about your own experience as a part of your integration. Thank you all so much for tuning in with me today. Have a fantastic rest of your week, and I will catch y'all in the next episode. I hope y'all enjoyed today's episode. If you want to check out the show notes, head over to www.themodernmanifestation.com forward slash blog. If you're loving this podcast, please drop me a review, share this episode with a loved one, and follow me on Instagram at Modern Manifestation. I love y'all so much, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.